out there in the galaxy, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in in all the details of that galaxy far, far away. We talk about places, people, things, objects, technologies, themes, but tonight we're going to really just talk about one thing. One man. One monster. One Sith. One pillar of the Star Wars universe. One very angry looking demon man. Indeed, red and black and white, spikes all over. He's uh, he's a piece. He is. We are talking about Darth Maul. Darth Sidious is, as far as we know, first apprentice. I guess we don't know that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, right? Yeah, we're talking about, again, the, the, the thing that you couldn't have avoided seeing in 1999. The character that has touched... Um, Pretty much is the bridge in many ways between the prequels all the way to the OT. He mm-hmm. is uh, mostly important before episode four, but man, is he important before episode four in many contexts. He's touched all the like most recent TV shows and, and connected all this tissue. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. And we're going to talk about him for about an hour or more. We'll see how long it goes. Yeah. Uh, right after this. Now, this is going to be more of an, you know, a looser conversation. We're not. Yeah gonna dig into the details we're just gonna talk about our feelings about however lots of spoilers for darth maul's story coming up uh in fact everything he's been in so spoilers for episode one i guess you've probably seen that one but hey spoilers for both darth maul comic books spoilers for star wars clone wars seasons four five and seven spoilers for star wars rebels seasons two and three and I think that's everything. And my biggest thing I would say <laughs> is the most recent content of, um, like, Solo, but more importantly, uh, the Siege of Mandalore, the final four episodes of Clone Wars. If you haven't watched that, you should probably put this one on the back yeah. burner till then. I would I would say so. I mean, realistically, all the mall content is worth checking out. So please do that. And you have had a year. You've, you've hurt yourself by not watching the Siege of Mandalore. It's amazing. <laughs> but we're going to get started talking about Mr. Maul right after this. Trace was correct. I will find them quickly, Master. Move against the Jedi first. You will then have no difficulty in taking the Queen to Naboo to sign the treaty. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. You have been well trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you. Okay. Hear Mm -hmm. me out. Okay. It's been 16 years since a Star Wars last graced the screen. Right? 1983. Mm Mm-hmm. Celebration ends. Yub nub happens. Ewoks <laughs> celebrate. Peace throughout the galaxy Peace forever. Throughout the galaxy. Right. Everything's perfect from here on out. Nothing else could go wrong. Right. Lots of time goes by. Mm-hmm. We get Bendems. Yep. We get Power of the Force. Thrawn. Thrawn. You get Power of the Force too. We get special editions. And then we pull up on 1999. And we get Star Wars Episode One, yes. a prequel. Now, how do you have a prequel? And how do you make a villain that's bigger than Darth Vader? How do you top the Darth Vader villain? Because this is the Darth Vader's saga. He's about to be born in this new trilogy. Yeah. So you can't just market his face mask on everything. Right. And obviously, we need another plan. 
So what mm. should we do? How about a devil? How would that work for you? I think that might work. I, I would say let's just get the art department together and ask them to draw the most terrifying things they can think of. And then George mm-hmm. will come down and he'll mm-hmm. thumb stamp. And uh, he'll look at the clown and then he'll look at the demon and say, can we just combine those two? Can we put those together? <laughs> Which, Ron, I know is not exactly how it happened, but part of the way that it happened. You know, there is a lot of good footage in the uh, episode one documentary. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think they go a whole lot. There is some mall uh, concept art in there. But today, if you haven't figured it out, what we're talking about is Darth Space Mall <laughs> or Mall, depending on what part of the timeline we're talking about. So we are talking about this character who has been all across Star Wars in multiple eras and multiple mediums uh, in multiple levels of fandom at different well, points. Because they, they did the work. They got a face that's about as iconic as Vader was. It's kind of wild when you think about it. I mean, you know, episode one comes out and of course you and I are huge fans of it. But yeah. in general, there are a lot of people who aren't right. Right. And Darth Maul is one of the few things that no matter what flavor of Star Wars fan you are, there's a very good chance that you find his lightsaber fight with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan pretty interesting, right? Right, Even right. if you knew spoilers about Qui-Gon's death, even if you knew that, you know, this guy couldn't replace Darth Vader in your heart of hearts, still, this guy, he's really interesting looking. He doesn't have a lot to say, so you don't know a lot about him, right? You know he's an apprentice to Sidious, Right. But otherwise, he's just a scary guy, and we know nothing about him. And so, before Darth Maul gets even more ingrained into Star Wars, which I think we're both in agreement is oh. bound to happen, yeah. because he's such a big character now, we thought we'd take some time the week after May the 4th and talk about Darth Maul so far, and talk mm-hmm. about where he's been, and maybe a little bit about where he may be going. So, Mac, in case anybody here is not super familiar with Darth Maul outside of episode one, why don't we just real quick go through kind of where he's been, yeah. and then we'll circle back and talk about it more in depth, okay? Yeah, we'll recap the canon of where he is at. Yeah, absolutely. So, there are a couple mediums that you may not be familiar with Darth Maul with. So obviously everybody knows he's in episode one, the Phantom Menace. That's his first appearance, but he also has a couple of comic book appearances. Mm -hmm. He features heavily in later seasons of the clone wars, Mm -hmm. and he has a pretty big role in rebels. Yep. Plus his cameo in solo. So that's essentially what we'll be talking about tonight. Yep. Now there are two Darth Maul comics. The first one takes place before episode one. And the other one takes place after, just as a heads up. So, you know, not to get confused. Just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. So, early Darth Maul. Darth Maul is essentially gifted to Palpatine, right? Yes. He go- Palpatine goes to Dathomir. He wants an apprentice. He wants a pupil, someone who's going to be strong and brutal. And he finds Maul, someone who's powerful, and he can feel inside of him that he has this potential. And he takes him and essentially, in isolation trains him to be a brutal destroyer of the Jedi. You know, Darth Maul has a few um, little missions before, and, you know, the one Darth Maul comic book that's just a five-issue run, you can find it in trade still, uh, does show him early on. But really, we first get to see him and meet him and learn a little bit about him in episode one. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue here, but we go through the movie and after tracking Gwygon and Obi-Wan and the Queen through the galaxy, they arrive 
back on Naboo, and after a incredible lightsaber fight, uh, Gwygon is dead, Darth Maul is cut in half, and knocked down a bottomless, endless shaft, and Obi-Wan is left uh, being the first person in a millennium to have killed a Sith, or at least we think. Well, of course he did. He got cut in half and thrown down a bottomless pit. He can't survive that. that. Right? But... But, but it's not over because about 12 years later, which is kind of wild to oh, say, yeah, I guess it, there yeah. is a huge time jump here. About 12 years later, Darth Maul comes back. Now, we're not going to get into a ton of the details here because we'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah. But his b- brother, Savajo Press, is sent by the Night Sisters of Dathomir to find Maul, who has been living on a junk planet that is not Rax's prime. Even Awkwardly though that's what enough, I always want to call I it. I always want to call yep. it that, too. Uh, he's living on a junk planet. And basically, uh, his brother, Savage, who is basically a slightly bigger, more muscular, yellow version of Darth Maul, mm-hmm. uh, is sent to find him. And when Maul is found, no longer Darth, you know, no longer a part of the Sith Order, Maul is found. He now has his top half. He's rail thin. He's kind of crazy. He's bug-eyed. And he's got spider legs. Yes. Who doesn't love spider legs? Who saw that coming? Spider legs. Ro- yeah, robotic spider legs that we're, I guess, left to assume he fashioned himself. Yeah, out of all the junk They're pretty the rickety. Junk They're pretty rickety. They, yeah, they don't seem great. But they are very cinematically cool. And after Savage takes him off the planet, takes him back to the Night Sisters, where he not only regains his sanity, but he also gets a cool new pair of metal legs. A couple of fights with Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, and a few other Jedi later. Savage and Maul are causing terror throughout the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Towards the end of the Clone Wars, uh, Maul and uh, Savage come face to face with Sidious, who easily kills Savage and defeats Maul, taking him captive and prisoner. Yep. Where Darth Maul remains captive, imprisoned by Sidious until he is freed by Death Watch. Yes. Now, this is the other Darth Maul comic, The Son of Dathomir. So if you're not familiar, that's where you can get this story, another five issues of comic. But basically, Maul is broken free from his master's or former master's prison and essentially begins to work himself into the crime scene of the underworld. He essentially becomes, over time, we're not really sure when all this necessarily happens, but becomes in control of Crimson Dawn, leads the Mandalorians to essentially overtake their own planet, overtake Mandalore. And at this point, we learn that the reason Maul is doing this is to lure Anakin Skywalker to Mandalore so he can kill him because Maul has essentially seen a vision of the future and what Anakin will do. Right. At the end of the Clone Wars, during Order 66, Maul is able to escape. And the next time we see him is in Solo. Now... In Solo, he only has a brief cameo, but at this point, he is fully established as the leader of the Crimson Dawn. We don't necessarily know if he's controlling any other crime syndicates at this point, but definitely very much representing with his bling that he wears, the Crimson Dawn, right? Right. And then from there, uh, we meet Maul in Rebels, season two of Rebels. So Maul at this point is stranded. Uh, He is looking a little bit older, a little bit more wizened, walks a little bit more with a purpose, kind of with a cane. But when timing comes down to it, he can still throw down and he's still the uh, brutal force user that we once knew. 
And yeah. Maul's story ends by essentially trying to train Ezra Bridger, a young Jedi Padawan, and bring him over to the dark side. To corrupt him. And to corrupt him. And then he ends up using Ezra, manipulating him to get Ezra to unlock a Jedi holocron so he can use it to find the location of Obi-Wan Kenobi. The man who ruined his life. The man who ruined his life so he can go seek him out. And then, in a final standoff on Tatooine, in a really cool episode of Clone Wars Rebels, or Star Wars Rebels, Rebels. (laughs) sorry, I said Clone Wars, I combined them, Uh, (laughs) Maul and Obi-Wan stand off for the very last time under the Tatooine moons. Yep. And that is Darth Maul's current story in a nutshell. Yeah, I think that was pretty succinct. Right? So, now that we've talked about the basics and we have a pretty good overview, we're going to go back and we're going to talk about, in some detail, some of our favorite parts of Darth Maul's story, some of our favorite things about the character, and, at least for me, what I'm interested to talk about is how his character has changed throughout his history, because the person we meet in Episode 1 is very different than the person we meet in Clone Wars, very different Mm -hmm. than the person we meet at the end of Clone Wars, very different than the person we meet in Rebels, and so on, so... Let's talk about it, Mac. Sure. Well, I think the I think the interesting thing is like so we've kind of gone over the chronology. So, like I think the the one thing I want to say is like I remember seeing Darth Maul for the first time, and I think it was in Star Wars Insider or something. Like at like I didn't subscribe mm-hmm. to it, but I would always like pour through it when I was at like the bookstore or whatever. Yeah. And I remember just going like, this guy looks wicked. Yeah. Because he's yeah. just this, you know, he's got all this red just shock of, you know, tattoos riding up his face. He's got a crown of horns. He's got these gnarly teeth and these just bleedingly yellow eyes. Um, and he just strikes such a vicious image. Oh, yeah. And that was also when we found out, oh, he's Darth Maul. It's like, D- Darth? D- There's another? Darth? There's another Darth? Is he related? Is Are they related by first name? <laughs> because I mean, up to that point, it was common knowledge to most Star Wars fans that Darth Ma- Darth Vader is his name. We did not know Darth as a title. That doesn't happen until Darth Maul was introduced, and now there are two. Yeah. Wow. I I guess it's been a long time since I've thought about it, but well, we're so used to that being this title that's always been around. That's that's what a Dark Lord of the Sith is called is a Darth. Darth is a title, and we there was a time we had to come to the realization of that. Yeah, yes. you're right. Because Darth Sidious is never said in the original trilogy, Mm-mm. just in the books. Yeah. Very, very interesting. You're absolutely right. So my first experience with Darth Maul was the trailer for episode one, yep. and then the toys. Ah, uh, yep. So I have vivid, vivid memories of being at my local Toys R Us, digging through a kiddie pool filled with Star Wars Episode One action <laughs> figures. And of, I think I might have told this story before, but a very nice man who would essentially be the equivalent of you or I now uh, <laughs> saw me there with my dad. And I was looking and I had a couple figures. And he goes, oh, which one are you looking for? And I said, oh, I want this Darth Maul Aww. guy. And he goes, ah, here, I found one. You can have it. Aww. And so I ended up getting a Darth Maul that day. I still have that Darth Maul figure up in my uh, Star Wars room. Mm-hmm. And um, that character, I mean, 
A double bladed lightsaber? Are you kidding me? How wild what is that? Could be cooler than that. And I don't remember if it was before the movie came out or immediately after. But then there was a second Maul figure that had the hood up and it had the mm-hmm. single ignited lightsaber blade. But obviously, you still had the really long handle. Right. And I thought that was the coolest thing <laughs> in the world because the idea of a lightsaber, but the handle was just giant. I just love that. I thought that was so darn cool. And this character who, going into it, you have, I mean, especially as like, what, an eight-year-old or whatever it was, no idea, no concept of what role will this character play other than you're pretty sure he's a bad guy. And so you go into the movie and you're sitting there and you're watching the film and, you know, he doesn't show up for a little while. And then when he does show up, it's pretty minimal and pretty slow. And, you know, the first time we really get to see him is in action is on Tatooine. I'm not going to lie. I envy people who went into the movie a lot more blind because I think his reveal in the actual film is great because he just it's like, well, if you cannot do it, I know someone who can. And then Maul just steps forward into the hologram. And what's great is he's monochrome because it's the hologram. So like you're still not even like it's just a who the hell is that guy? Yeah. And then the best part is like you still don't realize just how intense he is because none of us do until the hangar when he's like. I don't need this cloak. Look how freaking ripped I am. I'm yeah. freaking Ray Park in his prime. I'm yeah. going to rip you apart. Yes. Uh, some of the, if you've never seen it, so the, we, I mentioned it earlier briefly, but there's a episode one documentary called In the Beginning. Mm. Um, and there is some great footage of Ray Park and Ewan McGregor training in that mm. documentary. So if you haven't seen it, highly, highly recommend it. It's really, really great. And and like I said, as you go through the film, they just keep revealing more of them. You know, they're on Coruscant and now you find out, oh, this dude has a voice. And it's like surprisingly like fluid and like cultured. He, yeah. Maybe he's not just a brute. Maybe he does have this deep mind, which I don't know if they really pay that off till Rebels, but they did eventually pay that off. They did. They <laughs> certainly did. And especially when you're like looking at it, okay, you have this character. And when you compare him to Vader, Vader is known for exposition vader isn't afraid to talk vader isn't afraid to make threats vader isn't afraid to essentially let his intimidating stature work in his favor you know Mm -hmm. he knows he's the wrecking ball coming in whereas maul definitely feels more like the underdog the guy who's like you know he has confidence in himself right but he's trying to prove to everyone else that he's a legitimate you know threat or and he's been on board with sidious's plan to be in the shadows yeah. So, like, when he says, like, at last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi, at last, at last we'll we start our revenge, revenge yeah. you know, like, he's, like, very excited about that. But that's got to be probably starting to walk out of his comfort zone because he's like, well, Master, I I, I know we're going to go kill all the Jedi eventually, but, like, now? We're starting now? <laughs> <laughs> um, and for me, I will say episode one, I, had, I did, did have one problem. I remember being in a comic book store, I think in Canada, we were on vacation or something, and I remember... Hell yeah, you're into Star Wars? Yeah, super into Star Wars. Well, we just got the episode one graphic novel if you're looking for it. I'm like, yeah, I want to get the graphic novel for episode one. And I bought it and I went home and I'm like, I can't wait. It's like a week before like the movie's out. This is so cool. Flip through pages, flip through pages. Oh, he's cut in half and falling down a bottomless pit. Closed book. I don't want to read this book anymore. (laughs) Um, Which I'm very glad that there's the, I I think I've mentioned it before. Like, I'm glad there's the queen's twist because I didn't know the queen and Amidala were the same person. Yeah. So like, to me, I'm like, ah, I still got a twist ending out of it. But like, I super knew Darth Maul was dead. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's probably one of the reasons I'm still so like hung up on the fact of like, yeah, but 
but how? How is he known dead? I mean, you could throw him into like a garbage disposal, like with a spinning blade kind. That's about the only way you can make him deader. <laughs> Put him in a wood chipper or something. Yeah, 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 literally. Um, so it was it was interesting, and I mean, he dominated that summer. Like, at, yeah. like half the Pepsi cans yeah. and Pizza Hut boxes had. I had his a Darth Maul face. watch that had his head on it. Mm-hmm. I had uh, like some like some cool pens. Um, I think the biggest Darth Maul thing I had was I think I had it was it was his face. It was like a little bust of his head, but it was I think it was actually in a Rubik's cube, like a four by one oh, Rubik's that's cube. That's kind of cool. But like, yeah, just to have him sitting on the shelf, just like I'm watching you. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Taco Bell had that really cool Darth Maul on his land speeder, like that was <laughs> like a like a you hit the button and it would shoot off. Uh, that was really cool. Um, I mean, there was tons of Maul merch. I mean, he was the and, face on all the packaging, right? So that was huge because they realized that like Vader was always the signature thing for the original toys that was even if you weren't buying one that was the image in your head when you thought about star wars in action figure form i mean that's that all started with power of the force uh well power of the force 2 that was yes that was when that that started because you know the original line of figures all the way up through the return of the jedi figures and then the first wave of the power of the force all had the distinct vintage racetrack styling and they all fit featured you know giant color pictures right of the character they were representing so it wasn't until the mid 90s and the special editions and power of the force 2 that vader became that face on all the toy packaging and so even though there right. were the orange and red cards and then there were the green cards you know for yeah, years yeah. we only saw vader on packaging so when it changed to maul after like four years, years of the same thing essentially that was huge and just selling it just how important this character was which again they are i mean i i think maul is just as important to the plot of one as vader is to the plot of four vader talks more but yeah. like it's, it's still he's still a boogeyman that's yeah. all he in, in new hope he's a boogeyman there's yeah. not this whole pathos and he's your dad and all that. no he's just like i'm this force wrecking ball look at me yeah. uh and maul does that and when maul dies you're kind of like obi-wan Good on you. No one expects you to win that battle. Like, nobody. <laughs> Liam Neeson's down. How yeah. are you still up? Yeah. And, and that's one of the, my favorite things. So, like, yeah, you can say whatever you want about Maul coming back from the seemingly dead. Like, if you want to pick, like, and I don't mean you specifically, I mean in general. If you want to pick that argument, I totally understand that. I, but what I would say is Maul serves such a great purpose in the first film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that his character changes so drastically yes. is what I love so much. By the time we got to Rebels, I gave up fighting about Maul's unimaginable reincarnation. Yeah. Um, but I think it's mostly because even the filmmakers and storytellers go, yeah, we know this doesn't make sense. Just go with it. Yeah. Because they don't even attempt to try and explain the immediate aftermath of how he survives that fall. No, after he falls down the pit, we do not see him until during the Clone Wars. Right. So, you know, what, seven, eight years later? No, more than that, because it's ten years between one and two. Is it ten? Yeah. And then if there's, okay. you know, there's like three years of the Clone Wars, hypothetically, give or Yeah, take. so I figure about it's halfway through. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, so let's season say four, so. A dozen some years have passed. Yeah, yeah a long time. A- enough time to go nuts. Yes, his it's... lower half totally decayed. Yeah. By now. And the Just thing bounce. I think it felt weird when we were watching Clone Wars in real time was you already had 
in my opinion, oh, you brought Maul back because you have his brother and you learn about the Knight brothers, these counterparts of the Knight sisters. Yeah, so let's talk about that a sure. little bit here. So, you know, Maul falls down the pit. We all assume he's dead. Years go by. We see the, you know, we see uh, Revenge of the Sith. We see Attack of the Clones. Oh, we're happy. Star Wars is over. Oh, what's this? The Clone year, Clone Wars. Great. A couple years of that go by. And all of a sudden, season four, Maul is back. So Dooku... Uh, finds, um, well, Savage, who's his brother, and basically trains him to be a Sith warrior, you know, looking for another apprentice, because at this point he's lost Ventress. Yeah, because right? Ventress has, has, basically, Ventress has failed at, at enough jobs that Sidious says, cut her loose. Yes. And that, of course, means kill her. Yes. And Dooku, to his own satisfaction, thinks he accomplished that he does which he didn't um but he doesn't know that he doesn't know that and it's so great because the night sisters are these master manipulators because they're selling him the new apprentice of like oh yes we could get you another night brother like maul you would like maul maul was a good apprentice right he's like yes i would like maul that would be what good yeah by the way don't look in that back room because Sav- <laughs> assage is back there hanging out <laughs> but we don't want you to know that no we don't so it turns out that Ventress is behind Maul's brother, Savage, yes. becoming the new Dooku Padawan. And she essentially, um, what would you call it? Brainwashes him, essentially, so that he will fight with her when the time comes. Yeah, it's it's they make him into a sleeper agent. They give him everything Dooku wants. But there's this sort of like underlying psychic thing yeah. that the Night Sisters can yank him back to their side yeah. if it ever becomes that. Which, of course, it does yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. So... After all of this happens and, you know, Savage tries to take down Dooku and fails and all of that, he goes back to the Night Sisters, and they send him on a mission to find his long-lost brother. And us, as Star Wars fans, this is the first time we are getting this confirmation that Maul is alive. We're essentially oh. seeing his face in a glowing crystal ball. And the community went nuts because you see his face in the crystal ball yeah. and everyone's like, oh my god, it's Maul! And then the episode How? ends. <laughs> How does that even work? And we never knew that they were going to just get him and then not explain how that works. Because, again, I'm starting to appreciate in my older age that, like, of course you don't. Because he was cutting half and thrown down by the pit. Of course there's no way that works. But the power of myth and storytelling, just go with it. (laughs) Yes. And we do. So, I mean, if Palpatine can survive. So. We we get. But don't you think he partially does that because we all bought Maul? Yeah, probably. Um. So, so, so the thing about it is we find him crazy. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that really makes it work is for those dozens of years, he has scraped together some way to get his mobility back with these spider uh, armatures. I don't even yeah. call them full robot legs because they're, they're far more rickety than that. Yeah. And not... he's moving around like an animal and he's half crazed and he's not talking really forward he has no idea who savage is at the beginning Mm -mm. um which also explains i mean savage is like three times his size he got pumped up with dark side magic so i could see that um (laughs) and eventually yeah he brings it back the night sisters kind of give him a proper pair of metal legs he'll wear for pretty much the rest of his life yeah and use their magic to sort of make him whole in more ways than physical yes 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 they essentially bring his mind back and it's around this time where he essentially, I don't really know the right way to put this. So, basically, we don't know Maul's prowess at this point, you know, mm-hmm. because we see him in episode one. He's obviously very skilled, very talented, 
in the force, the dark side, and the, and with a lightsaber, he kills uh, a Jedi Master. Yep. Right. Someone who is powerful and outclasses him and wise enough to be on the Jedi Council. And he's only, I mean, essentially, luckily defeated by that master's Padawan. It's, it's mostly Maul doesn't see him getting, Maul, Maul is thinking what the man below him will be thinking, you know, only a scant 13 years later of, I have the high ground, there's yes. no point in trying it. Yes. And at this point, you know, that's what we know of Maul. So when we meet Maul, and he's this crazy person <laughs> now. Right. We have no idea what to expect. And you think that's going to be the story is Maul is just going to be this crazy character now. But it's pretty quick that he essentially gets his memory and his personality back. And now he has his memory back. So what is he? Well, he's angry. He's angry at Kenobi and he's angry at his master. Right. He's angry that he's no longer powerful specifically. Like he used to be the apprentice to the most powerful force user Basically of all time in his mind. I was the second most powerful being in the universe yeah. in my mind. And so now look at me. Now look at where Maul is. And so you take all of that into consideration. What does this character want? Well, this character wants him and his brother to essentially seek revenge. And so they start with Obi-Wan. That's their goal. That is Maul's only driving factor at first is revenge on Obi-Wan. Kenobi. Yeah. And that is, well, to put it bluntly... The smart move. That's what that character would want to do after all of this time. Because he's the actual catalyst of his life being ruined. While his master's abandonment is very, very scorning, it's not the immediate, that dude cut me in half that Kenobi is. Yeah. And we don't ever actually know, I don't think. Does Sidious just assume Maul is dead? We, I, mean, I don't remember if there are any well, lines here's the thing. about it later. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can take context to be absolutely sure of that. Because in between there, he takes another apprentice. And there's the rule mm. of two is still intact. So Sidious wouldn't take another apprentice unless he knew the old one was going out. While I don't disagree with what you're saying, Sidious... Right, Maul loses. Maul gets cut in half. Yeah. It technically, in Sidious's mind, wouldn't matter if he's alive or dead. He's no longer my apprentice. He failed. To, to degree. But I think if you get cut in half and thrown down a bottomless pit, I think you're pretty confident that we don't have to worry about that. Especially considering, you know, like, this Kenobi kid said it happened. And realistically, if this Kenobi kid could kill that guy... Pfft, Punk. Yeah. Don't need him in my I mean, house. Realistically, and, and then yeah. I think the only thing about it is I think the rule of two has a lot more weight to it now after Rise of Skywalker, where we're like, oh, oh, when you say an unbroken chain of Sith, you mean that in a way bigger metaphysical sense than we were thinking before. It's not like a tradition. It's like, no, literally, I have Sith magic that moves from me to them yeah. to them to me. Boy, we still never really got great clarification on that did we but either way it's it's uh, an interesting i i yeah. think that's one of those wrinkles that as we go forward that will be massaged into something really cool when you start yeah working it backwards yeah, I, like I agree. That somewhere in the high republic there yeah. is a person who has all that knowledge of all the sith that have ever lived yeah that's wild that's a really yeah. cool thing yeah it is i i think it can be very cool but i think it does make it a little murky but having said that If we're to believe that that is literal, the Palpatine saying that, I think it's got to be at that point, the Sith who's getting struck down, the master, has to, like, not necessarily preemptively planned, but, like, in the moment, they've got to be like, yep, my powers are going to this person because they killed me. 
right? Like yeah. it's like like it's the, like well, I, guess I think what it's I'm the whole thing is, about it. it's not like there's like an initiation ritual where well I've signed the will and it's been notarized, so if I die, you get all my knowledge. I I think the way that it works is basically the idea of there's only these two. And my whole job is to fill you with the knowledge that I have. Right. So that you become powerful enough so that one day, if I am weak enough, you overcome me. Yep. Because the Sith must remain strong. Oh, absolutely. And so I think what we're seeing here is like, I'm going to guess that Maul's kind of motivations are, he is much more now, I'm going to kill Sidious eventually. Yeah. I'm going to destroy my master's work. Because it's not just abandonment. He has been replaced. Yeah. There is someone who is the second most powerful being in the earth in the universe working okay. under Sidious. So let me interrupt you real quick then to ask this question. Yeah. Let's just say, hypothetically, middle of the Clone Wars. Sure. Right. For whatever reason, Palpatine dies. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Does all of his dark side internal magic go to Dooku or Maul? So, Assuming Maul killed him. Sorry, I should have thrown that in there. So if Maul were to kill Sidious during the Clone Wars, Dooku's yeah. his apprentice. Yeah. The rightful heir, as it were, of Sidious's powers and knowledge. Right. Do those powers go to Sidious or to Dooku or do they go to Maul if Maul strikes I, him down? I would probably argue that the thing that we're talking about is the way these apprentices are taught. Mm -hmm. They are taught all these dark side rituals mm -hmm. and ingrained into the DNA of that training is the ways to channel the connection between master and apprentice. But see, that wouldn't be true because Ray never had any of that training, so she wouldn't have been able to get it passed on to her if that was the case. Well, that... I... Yeah, no, The Rise of Skywalker isn't good. It's well, hard to what I was going to say is, it, like, but... for me, let's say Dooku and Maul both exist in the universe. They're yeah. both, both apprentices. My guess is who's ever closer to Palpatine when he dies, and specifically if someone kills him, yeah. they super get to take, take priority. Like... I, I I think I agree. I'm not I saying it, I even have way. an opinion I, one way just, or another. Just to I'm sum curious. It, just to sum it up. Yeah. I think it's about as loose as Force ghosts are in the sense of how did Qui-Gon come back that first time? Because the plot necessitated him too, and he taught other people how to do it more, more coherently. So they're not disembodied voices. Yeah. They're halfway to a hologram, right? Yeah. yeah. I, so I think that is just supposed to be – I don't think – let's put it this way – I don't think it's so much that this is Rise of Skywalker is bad right. as much as I think it is Rise of Skywalker is the only point of connection we have for this piece of lore. Yeah. And as we go, yeah. like just like Force Ghosts, yeah. it took till episode three. We go, oh, you got to learn like a like a, a, a spell before you can become yeah. a, a space ghost. Got it. Yeah. Right. Like, but we didn't need that before. It just was what it was. And we could just speculate about how it is. That's true. That's very but true. But all the same, let's say that Maul knows that retrospectively. Or, I mean, it doesn't really matter if he does or not, because we obviously didn't know that when we made the Clone Wars. But, right. like, wouldn't that just make it more infuriating that, like, oh, maybe I'm not even the heir to that power anymore? Like, yeah. that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I love the way that Maul goes around this because he's basically like, brother, you're with me. Yes, I am a thick, heavy-handed cudgel. I am with you. Good. You're my apprentice now. And like apprentices before, you kind of start more of as an assassin and work your way up to me, like using full sentences around you. <laughs> I'm mostly going to just give you commands like kill and that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but he starts the rule of two in his own way, right? Mm-hmm. He takes an apprentice. His brother, I'm going to teach you more about the dark side. You're going to get these powers. Mm-hmm. This is super mm-hmm. great. And we're going to go and we will have my revenge. And Savage is like, yeah, I want that. Like, good, because you don't have to have any say on what we're doing. <laughs> I'm in charge. I'm the master. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take long for Maul to assert his dominance. And that lets us know that yes even though this character has been malnourished and almost dead for 12 years he can sort of immediately come back and be on top so that lets us know that this character is at a bare minimum as capable as he was during episode one if not more so right and as time goes on we sort of quickly learn that no he has actually improved greatly and when you think about it, at first this may seem a little weird, but because Darksiders draw their power from their hate and their anger and from their essentially bad experiences, bad emotions, without a better way to put it, it well, makes passions. sense that 12 years of torment alone, isolated on a junk planet, after being cut in half without any real food and your only friend is a deceptive snake thing, What are you going to do, right? You're going to get angrier. You're going to get more frustrated. And so it makes sense that when Maul comes out the other side after this terrible experience and getting resurrected, essentially, by the Night Sisters, right? Just like a Saiyan, you almost die. You come back stronger. (laughs) So here we are, right? You've got this character now who is better with a lightsaber, Mm -hmm. half robotic. You would assume that would hypothetically help him. It's at least a wash. Right. So you have this character who now has essentially a clone of himself, and they're out causing havoc on a galaxy. And I think the cool thing is, I it's not really till the Siege of Mandalore we get the entirety of the picture kind of spelled out. But, like, I like that it starts as it's a revenge plot. And you yeah. can kind of realize retroactively, like, Maul knew Sidious's plan. Not every aspect of the grand design, but he kind of knew what, like... He knew about the Clone Wars before there was a Clone Wars. He knew that his master was going to create a conflict to muddy the entire galaxy as a coup to take over the galaxy and to depower the Jedi through all this dark side spreading everywhere. So it's not surprising. He starts by, I'll dig into the criminal underworld. That is one place my master is not extending his reach. It's a power base I can claim. Yes. And he digs in and he does that work. And that's where we mostly see him running around the end of Clone Wars is just consolidating, grabbing Death Watch and making them instruments for his revenge and building up this power base. He has his own little mini Sidious arc where basically he gathers forces, gathers support, gains strength, Mm -hmm. and politically takes over a planet the same way Sidious politically takes over a galaxy. Yeah, he does cause a successful coup on Mandalore and becomes the Mandalore. Yeah, (laughs) and it's not until this happens that Sidious essentially becomes aware of him out there and basically goes to put him in his place. And does handily. That fight's amazing. Great. Yeah, go ahead, Mac. Explain. The greatest thing about it is, so we are mostly watching this all play out from the the normal heroic side, right? Like, we need to retake Mandalore and help Satine and take back the planet, right? Um, and it's it's this just wonderful thing of, like, Savage and Maul are dealing with the fact that, um, you know, Kenobi's getting unhinged because Satine... Satine dies in this arc, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. This is where she... I'm pretty sure that's where she dies. Yeah. 
I think the episode is called The Lawless, if I remember correctly. Right. And so there is no rightful ruler of Mandalore except for Maul. And Maul's on top. And it's too public of a move. And so, so yeah, the shuttle shows up with the GD Emperor. Yeah. <laughs> and what's great is it almost is happening, like, as an aside. The, no Jedi witnesses this dress down in a meaningful way. Right. And it is just Sidious just showing you kind of like that a moment of elation we had in episode three when he when when Palpatine's like, Master Jedi, are you sure you really want to do this? It's like, yeah, no, you're an old man. We're going to arrest you. Oh, just an old man, am I? What if I was crazy like Yoda and I could do all kinds of insane saber work because I am the Dark Lord of the Sith? And it's the same kind of thing. You see yeah. him as the old man with the robes kind of come in and he basically just t- tells like Maul and Savage is like, this is over. It's yeah. over right now. And Maul's like, oh no, old man, it's not over. To- Savage is dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then Maul's like, uh, never mind. Can I join you again? <laughs> you had your chance. I have a new apprentice and one after that because I plan really far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and and Maul barely escapes, tail between his legs, with like the husk of his brother dying, just gets out of dodge yeah. and is like, I should probably never be seen by Sidious ever again if I value my existence. Well, this is when he's captured, right? This is when Oh he's right, put I'm, in sorry. Jail. I'm sorry, I'm no, sorry. No, no, I want to make sure we're on the no, same no, page. No, no, you're right, right, you're right, you're right. This is when this is when he gets essentially Sidious is like he's shocking him with force lightning, and he basically does the classic I have plans for you. I'm sorry. Yes. Now, it's been a while. I've only read the Son of Dathomir comic once, and of course I should have gone back to read it before this, but yeah, I didn't. We're, it's fun. We're just having a conversation. We're having fun. I'm pretty sure there's a little bit of dialogue in there of like, you will be here to be my boogeyman. Like, you will go do, like, my winter soldier, essentially. Yeah. You will go do things for me, and then when you're done, you come right back here, and if you don't, there will be hell to pay. It, it's basically... Punching him back into being an assassin. Yeah. But Death Watch, his brothers from Mandalore, break him out. Yes. And when we really see the conclusion of Maul's arc, uh, well, the conclusion of his Clone Wars arc anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the end of season seven of Clone Wars, we see that Ahsoka has tracked Maul to Mandalore and... She goes there with Bo-Katan to essentially capture him and bring him back to the Jedi. And this is where Maul's sort of grand scheme, grand plan comes into play. Maul makes it known to Ahsoka once she tracks him down on Mandalore that he's had a vision. He's had a vision of a dark Sith Lord who controls the Republic and the Senate. It's already fallen, and he is soon going to have an unstoppable apprentice. And Maul's plan was to lead that unstoppable apprentice here to Mandalore to kill him before he became too powerful. And spoil his master's plan. Yes. Just break up the master stroke and make it so that, you know, he can't achieve total victory. Yes. Now, Maul never says this. Maul very much implies that he is not happy with Sidious. Yes. But if he had been successful and killed Anakin, would he have become Sidious's apprentice? Don't know. I mean, Maul's in such an interesting place because we're not going to talk about it because it comes later in our story. But Maul's appearance in Rebels has already happened in our world, right? Right. We've seen the Maul at the end of his life who has made a lot of peace with everything that's happened to him yes. and and almost has has mentor pieces. Like, there are parts where he's working on Ezra that are not selfish. 
like he wants to help Ezra for Ezra's own reasons. Like it's, it's a much more, he's a much more nuanced character. Yes. And I think now retroactively, we look at the siege of Mandalore and like, Oh, this is where he kind of witnesses everything that Sidious had planned, realizes his place in it and kind of starts making peace with what he can and can't do with the rest of his life. Absolutely agree. Yes. So, as we know, Anakin is too busy saving the Chancellor. Yes. So he did not come to Mandalore. So instead, Ahsoka is responsible. They have an amazing duel in the Mandalorian throne room. They end up fighting in the superstructure above the city. Mm-hmm. And it's only at the very last moment that Rex and the rest of the clones are able to rope up, lasso, if you were, a following a falling maul. Yep. And transport him to the ground. And in this moment, I got to tell you, this was one of the biggest surprises of Clone Wars, where once Maul is captured, he's basically just yelling, kill me, kill me. Oh, I don't want to be a part of this. The the weave, that whole sequence. So for me, like in the throne room, he's talking to Ahsoka. And one of the things I really like about Maul that represents to me some of the funnest things with villains yeah. is he stops lying. He doesn't care about lying. In fact, the truth is so much worse. He's the more than happy to provide it. always tell the truth. That's the funny thing right. about them as characters. Because they don't, their deceptions are far more actions. When you've caught them, they're like, oh yeah, this is of course what I'm doing. Because <laughs> Maul is the only one that is in line with the audience going, oh, I can feel the beats of episode three yeah. happening in the background of this story. It's like, yeah. yeah, well, Maul's the only person who's aware of kind of what's happening. And by the time they get to the superstructure, like, we already sort of know, like, Dooku has died. And Maul is, like, aware of, like, oh, no, it's happening. Like, I said it's probably happening right now, but now I know for a fact. Like, I know in the universe the dominoes have already started to fall. Yes. And so, like, when he's, like, captured, he's like, no, I can't go back to him. I can't be in your custody. You're not going to be you in about 20 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. like he is aware of just how in the pincer of the turn of the galaxy he is. Yeah. And it is the moment, I think, in all the Siege of Mandalore, where he's back through the frothing rage machine. Yes. Um, just the, you know, just an emotional raw nerve. Yes. And it's so, so good. And unfortunately he does not get away because in the next opening scene of the next episode, we see him, he is being put into <laughs> a Mandalorian, what I would call, I don't know if it has an official name, a vault, basically yeah. a Jedi capture chamber. It's from the ancient wars between the Mandalorians and the Jedi. They have this, containment chamber that is able to hold a Jedi even with all their force nonsense. So yes. perfect tool for for Maul, which also has perhaps my favorite Bo Katan line of all time. Yeah, it's from the ancient wars. Oh, I'm surprised you have one of these. Yep, last one. <laughs> and the way that that last one goes, I'm like, there is no way this is the last one. You just need them to go like, no, we don't have a stockpile of Mandalorian artifacts to deal with Jedis. No ally Jedis. We don't have weapons designed specifically to kill you. Just laying that. about. I do love that so much because you could read it in that way. You, you could read it in the honest way. Like you could take that line in so many ways, but no matter what, it's just Bo-Katan being Bo-Katan. It's really good. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah. So Maul is packed up. <laughs> and it gets crazy because up. when we're the audience, you know, the ship leaves. And again, 
that clock is ticking in the background. Um, and we're like, how is this all going to meet yeah. together? Because Ahsoka's going to have to deal with Order 66, and she's just trapped her on a ship of all clones. She's taking Maul back to Coruscant. Maul doesn't want to go back to Coruscant. And what is Maul going to do when all of this goes down? Yeah. And, of course, in the next, the end of that episode, we get to Order 66. We've heard the little little breadcrumb trails of like, oh, yeah, no, Master Kenobi's gone to Utapau to go get rid of General Grievous. The war's almost over. Everything's going to be great. Well, what, what's Anakin doing? I don't know. Anakin's, uh, you know, helped out with the Chancellor, but I hear he has a special mission to go and maybe get some of the other Separatist leaders. <laughs> right? And then we know that he's going yeah. to Mustafar and then... It all comes to a head, and it's great because we get to see the parallels of Maul trapped in this box where all you can see is like his eyes, yeah. and him internalizing like, "Oh, this is it! I didn't stop the apprentice. He's becoming exactly what I feared he would be." And oh man, maybe he's more than me. Jeez. And meanwhile, like Ahsoka's like feeling all the pain of like, "Is my master choking out his wife? He has a wife." <laughs> I mean, I knew him and Padme were close, but like, oh, and now she might be dead. Oh, this can't end well. <laughs> Captain Rex, what are you? I need to kill you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Ahsoka's having a rough day, almost as bad as Maul. Uh, so, well, And she ends up like she has one ally in yeah. this entire ship full of clone troopers. The guy she just arrested. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great because when I love when she unlocks him. He's like, well, I will need a weapon if I'm going to think. It's like, I didn't unlock you so that you could win. I unlocked you so you could be a distraction. Now go be a distraction. <laughs> I do love that. That is like, it's great because that's Ahsoka's character. Ahsoka yeah. is very smart and very purposeful. But it's also a little, just a little sprinkle of Anakin in there. Little, of like, taste of I'm going to do something wrong, but it's not that wrong because i'm not giving him a lightsaber well, and i think it also shows that like ahsoka's wise in the sense of like i need you right now yeah. okay so we're allies no we are not yeah. <laughs> we are not friends i think what's her line like i'm not rooting for you i'm not <laughs> yeah it's really really good yeah she's like if the clones kill you great just make sure it's a long enough time for me to get off of here yeah. now go <laughs> and of course this comes back to bite her because we see some really awesome scenes of Maul using the force to like use like pieces of Durasteel to block blaster bolts. And mm -hmm. he's able to cut a clone's arm off on the door so he can have communication. And eventually he steals the last flyable shuttle from the Star Destroyer as it's falling out. And it's a great nod to young, young Darth Maul that we're kind of seeing the last vestiges of like just how cunning this guy is. Yeah. He started with no equipment and he's the one who escapes easily. Yeah. Ahsoka has the way harder time. Yeah. Um, and he just flies off into the starfields, hit hyperspace, yeah. he's gone. And that's sort of where he walks out of the whole story. Yeah, it's not until Solo, which is another 10 years later, mm -hmm. or nine years later, whatever it is, something like that, that we see Maul again in a surprise cameo at the yeah. end of Solo. None of us saw that coming, I don't think. And, you know, fans of the Clone Wars and Rebels knew that Maul was still alive during this time. But your average movie-going fan, maybe not so much. So you see this character, you see Ray Park reprising the role mm -hmm. of the body, but still having the Sam Whit Whitmer voice. And Sam Whitmer, who played, originally got into Star Wars because of The Secret Apprentice in Force Unleashed, like, he had, he was 
got that role because of his emotional range to play this person who's just emotionally ripped apart. Yeah. And when he brought that to Maul, it was like, oh, this this fits like a glove. Yeah. This is what you were born to yeah. play. I mean, to be fair, he's the one that made Maul the character that he is. I agree. You know, it's uh, all those manic throws of yeah. insanity at the beginning, and then yeah. this cunning and this this cunning figure who is ready to boil over into anger at any yeah. minute is is the writers channeling through. Yeah. Um, Sam Whitmer. So yeah. again, to see Ray Park, the man who is Darth Maul, combined with this much more nuanced voices we've been getting from the Clone Wars, was just his presence was yeah. Darth Vader esque in the sense of yeah. like everything is very suddenly way more terrifying and important than it yeah. was a couple of minutes yeah. ago. He looks a little bit bulkier. He looks a little bit it, stronger. He's got his cool robot legs. He's got his Crimson Dawn bling. It, so if, he's like full on. If Kira was calling some other hut or some other near human like Drayden Voss, nah, whatever. But no, <laughs> the person on the other line is the head of the Crimson Dawn, who is the man, the myth, the legend of yeah. Maul. What an amazing, amazing tie-in cameo. Just fantastic. And, you know, one day we expect to hopefully get more of this story because this is the period of Maul's life we know the least about from the end of the Clone Wars to this point. We know very, very little about him. Now, after this, we do get more Maul. In season two of Rebels. Now, mm -hmm. between Maul's running of Crimson Dawn and possibly yeah. other crime syndicates. Because we see, because, um, you know, uh, Rebels is having a year's plus before, you know, the Battle of Yavin and everything. So somewhere in that seven to eight-ish years, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like, if Rebels starts five years before, so season two, Ezra does grow. So is at least probably four to three years before A New Hope. Yeah. Give or take. That sounds, uh, yeah, that sounds right. So, again, maybe five, four years from where we see him in Solo to here. Yeah. Somehow his power base as leader of one of the prime crime syndicates running in the Outer Rim. Yep. To this wizened old man we meet yeah. on this dark side planet. Is it Moraban? It is. It is Moraban. Yes. Um, so he's in Moraban, formerly known as Korriban. Yeah. Um, I can never remember which one is which, but yes, it's that planet. Uh he he is like wizened and has it, we're kind of more finding him like we did yeah. on the planet that isn't Raxus Prime. We're finding yeah. him after he's sort of atrophied and he's been here for yeah. who knows how long. He's literally living underground in the shadows by himself. He's got a cane. He's got a hood. He's hobbling along and he is just this weak pathetic looking old man and at first that's how Ezra finds him but it is not long before Maul reveals him true self and he even said you know he doesn't give his name out at first he just calls Ezra to tell him old master right I think is mm -hmm. what he calls him but eventually some inquisitors show up Kanan and Ahsoka show up <laughs> and so it becomes apparent very quickly that Maul is about to let loose and he does but there is a moment I want to talk about here in retrospect because you know now hypothetically we can assume yeah this is Maul and Ahsoka's first time since, since their last meeting and so it is really really something to see Ahsoka who has become this confident 
purposeful force user. You know, I don't want to necessarily call her a Jedi, but no. this confident force user um, and going up against Maul. Now, she doesn't actually fight him here. She kind of he kind of I would say, actually, he lucks out because she would definitely take him down. As- yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, to her so goes in her prime, prime right now. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Um, and she already beat him when she wasn't. So, Just saying. yeah. So, you know, there's this great moment of uh, Maul blinds Kanan. Yes. He is the one responsible for Kanan losing his eyesight. And he essentially takes Ezra to the top of the Sith Tower to essentially activate it and use it as a way to defeat Sidious and Vader. But much to Maul's dismay, even though he's able to easily handle Kanan and easily handle the Inquisitors, Darth Vader shows up. The new apprentice. The new apprentice. The new hotness. Yes. And this is where Maul makes his leave. But at the end of the season, we see that Ezra still has the Sith holocron. That Maul gave him. That Maul gives him. Just rewinding back. This is where I went. Maul deserves to be back. Because the inversion, the perfect inversion of Yoda meeting Luke and the, you know, what do you think I am? Like, you're just some green Muppet. Yeah, no, you, 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 you know, war's not weak one. Great. Like that whole thing of like how much Luke misunderstands yeah. this figure in front of him and how this figure is testing him already and trying to figure him out in this kind of masked way. Maul's doing the same thing. of like, I'm just an old man. Like, you know, like if you want to move this block, you, you would have to, to move it with your mind. I can't do that. Not if you don't tap into your passions, if you you want it enough you could probably do it like the way he's gently coaxing out dark side and to be honest almost giving the dark side a good spin yeah of like no that everyone has light and dark in them the dark side are not the bad parts of you that's jedi bullcrap it is your passions it is the things of your emotional being like and i love how until he's sort of brought out of like like Ezra goes like, wait a minute, you're like the Sith Master? like the Sith master, like, yeah. Oh, I feel real dumb now because I was buying into some of what you were saying. It's like, well, let's keep this, uh, keep this cool little crystal thing. <laughs> I hear that adults don't want kids to know what's inside there, so I wouldn't look inside. <laughs> and it's great because it's it's the temptation of Ezra and how Ezra also has to deal with. I mean, to be honest, Maul is his, um, the cave. Yeah. The under the tree. It's yeah. it's his dark side temptation of like, mm-hmm. I could go this way, but do I want to go down mm-hmm. that path? And eventually they meet back up and together they were able to open the Jedi and Sith holocrons that they both respectively have. Mm-hmm. And because of this, you know, the whole idea of this is they're going to see what they want. They're both going to be able to essentially use each other to see what they want because Ezra wants to access synth information. Maul wants to access Jedi, Jedi information. information. And because of this, they have a vision where they both end up on Tatooine together. Right. Right. Now, Ezra's adventure is a little bit different. You know, he's off on his own, wandering the deserts, meets an old hermit, yada, 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 right? Has a force vision. But Maul's story is a little different. <laughs> Maul makes his way through the desert. And after the twin suns have set, comes across a campfire with uh, one familiar old hermit sitting there. Mm-hmm. And Maul and Obi-Wan stand off against each other. They draw their sabers. 
and essentially in a two swing motion, Maul is defeated. Basically, Maul comes in, Obi Wan parries it, knocks him back, and slashes him across the chest. And this is so good because the the squaring up is yes. very similar in Star Wars to Vader and Obi Wan, yes. which is in Obi Wan's future. The sort of squaring up where, dude world men the laser swords don't matter and you know that as much as i do yeah and then the movement is so classic samurai movie yes of the just sort of rushing past each other and one of the blades went through the one man and the other one missed his shot yeah and one is dead and one is not yeah and it's so good because that entire episode the Maul half of things is building up to the, oh, this is when Obi-Wan and Maul are going to have to finish that fight. They started on Naboo. It's going to be so crazy. And then it's wonderfully anticlimactic of like, yeah. no, boom. Yeah. Obi-Wan beat him. Maul is dead. Yeah. Two masters who don't need the flash and panache of swirling their sabers and holding each other's saber back with the force. They are just two people essentially at the top of their level of mastery, and they're about to settle a decades-old disagreement. I mean, that's essentially what we get. And then when Maul is struck down, Obi-Wan immediately is grabbing him and holding on to him. And Maul has this great moment of realizing that Obi-Wan is here for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if he's here for a reason to protect this young child... Mm-hmm. Maul is then apparently aware of the prophecy of bringing balance to the force mm-hmm. because he alludes to it here. And Maul, for a brief moment before he dies, finds what we believe to be peace and happiness well, I think, in the fact that he believes Vader and Sidious will be defeated. I think when you stitch it all together, I, I think that's what it comes down to is I think Maul realizes his plan to bring down Sidious and Vader is what the cosmic force needs the universe to do. It's just not going to come through him. And he makes peace with that. Right? Like, he realizes, like, oh, I wasn't really working for the good guys. But in the end, I'm part of the path for the good guys to win and stop this cycle of light and dark and bring some semblance of quality to it. Like, I guess the whole thing about it is I think even the the positive feelings here around Ezra, because like I said, I think one of the cool things is he genuinely wants Ezra to do well. I mean, he wants him to be a darksider, but like beyond that, like he generally does want it's he's not trying to use Ezra. That's not his goal with Ezra. His goal with Ezra is to pass on what he knows. Yeah. Right. Um, And so I think it just leads to this great place where. Maul has had such a journey and been in so many places that, like, to be honest, in that last moment, he can just give up on being angry. He doesn't have to be angry anymore. And that's yeah. huge for him. <laughs> it is. It's a great ending for the character. It's a great piece of Obi-Wan's character. And it's great that Maul was able to get his fingers into so many generations and pieces of Star Wars because this is one of the most unique and interesting characters that we have we've had good guys that have gone bad we've had bad guys that have gone good but it's very rare that we see a bad guy who Mm -hmm. was bad and essentially became good because the bad guys were too bad for him yeah i mean that's ultimately what happens it's maul seeks power he seeks 
personal fulfillment in a way that a Jedi wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But he also is not necessarily seeking domination the same way a Sith does. He's somewhere in between where he doesn't mind hurting people to get what he wants, but he also won't necessarily senselessly hurt people. He doesn't mind, um, you know, being a violent dominating force, but there is a purpose behind it, right? He is always working towards his own goals, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily trying to stop other people from reaching theirs. And all of this just makes for one incredibly interesting character who I think we're all just really happy that inevitably we do have more of him than just 25 minutes in one movie. And yeah, there are so many people, at least I feel like as part of this fandom who go, yeah, but wouldn't it be cool if Maul was back? Like, you know, that that cartoon stuff, that doesn't really well, count. And that is just I such a pers- weird thing for me because we have such a unique character with the story we got with Maul. Why would we want to change I it? I think the feeling for most of that is either, A, people who don't watch that cartoon stuff, right? So, like, let's put it this way. If you watch the last fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? If you just watch that, with no context of who Ezra is, what Maul's been through in all of Clone Wars and Rebels, yeah. I can understand going like, this is stupid. Why? Duels of the Fates didn't even play. Like, I, you need that context because for, for my experience watching these shows in real time, right? Like, from, what was that, season four? So from like 2010, 12. 2012. Yeah. So like from 2012... Until his death in whatever that was, 2017 or whatever, like I lived with that guy and knew he was in the background and felt the weight of pondering what has happened to him, what has made him this way. Right. Absolutely. Um, And then when you get flavor like solo and you get um, his appearance in the Siege of Mandalore, you just enrich the fact that we didn't have all the pieces. But the thing about it is. Maul has always been used and he eventually kind of gets away from that. Yeah. From being the tool of everybody else, even his own vengeance. Yeah. And being in control of his own destiny is ultimately his character arc. Yes. I mean, that's what Maul accomplishes. He goes from being the lapdog of Sidious to being his own man. Yeah. He's not fighting for the Night Sisters. He's not fighting for his brother. He's not fighting for revenge. He's fighting for his own goals. And, and and my interpretation when Obi-Wan's holding him, because Obi-Wan has this tenderness of like that that tenderness, I think, is coming from the fact of like, hey, man, the emperor has ruined everybody's lives. Like I've been on this desert planet for whoever knows how long yeah. I lost everyone I cared about. My best friend and surrogate son is the most evil SOB in the universe. Yeah. But he hurts you first. You got the worst of it in so many different ways. So I have nothing left here at the end of your life, but pity for you. Yeah. And it's completely understandable and reasonable. I mean, you have this character who was taken as a small child unwillingly from his home, essentially tortured through training. Yeah. Twisted into this weapon. Yeah. And was basically forced to be an attack dog for a madman. And then was cast aside like he was nothing when he was defeated. And essentially left to rot 
with himself for over a decade before being pulled out of that rot and revived by his brother. So for essentially the first over half of his life, yeah. he is just getting nothing but the crap piled on him day after day after day. And so to have a character who can go through all of that and still come out on the other side, not as the most pure form of evil villain that can exist. <laughs> I think there is something really rewarding about that as a Star Wars fan. And to have a great interaction with him in Obi-Wan is fantastic. To have him in live action again so we can see Ray Park reviving him is great. And it's only a matter of well, time before we get more Maul. And the other thing about it is like people who want just like Wolf Maul's back for real. It's like, well, there's like a 20-year period of Maul's life that he, as far as we know, is running a criminal syndicate and yeah. being that real dark powerful thing that you want him to be in yeah. his own way in his own corridor of space yeah um because when he's dressing down kira in solo like he ignites the lightsaber for effect yeah. and you could tell that like oh that lightsaber's killed a lot of people since we last saw it yeah. because that's sort of like the mall means business he turned his blade on oh he turned both on Oh, you're in super duper trouble. <laughs> you know, like yes. he he has he gets to be that boogeyman in the underworld. Yes. Um and I can't wait to see that because there must be a if nothing else, I feel there's a super interesting story of why he walks away from all of that. Okay. And whether it's of his own choice and own design yeah. or whether it happens to him or whether Sidious engineers it. Like there's of course a fan fiction running my head of Sidious decides that the criminal underworld should be run by this Prince Cheezor guy and he should go to, you know, I mean, yeah, that would be amazing. Um, but since, uh, we still need to make solo Two happen, we don't know exactly when that story is going to be told, but, yeah. um, it, it's a matter of time. Hashtag make solo Two happen. Indeed. All right. I think, I think I've said about, all the good feelings I want to have to say about Maul. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much tapped out. He was in the very first wave, one of the first four of the Six Inch Black Series figures to show how important he is to that, Star Wars. That makes sense. Just wanted to throw that last bit in there. That is a good example. Yeah. And he's he's got to be behind Vader, but like he's got to be one of the most reissued toys. Like I at least have a couple. Like, yeah. I think I have three of them. Because yeah. I think I have one that sits in, like, the yeah. speeder. I've got the original one that you're talking about yeah. from the original wave. And I definitely know I have one that was him, like, essentially shirtless. Yes. Where he's, like, in the training garb. Yes. Oh. that is. I remember that one, too. That's cool. That was in, like, the episode. Yeah, I remember that one. That was it's awesome. Very good. Um, yeah, he is probably reissued. And you know what I just realized? that You said that. It's only a matter of time. Till we get a Clone Wars era robot leg Maul yeah. Black Series figure. And yeah. that's got to happen eventually. And that'll be great. Yes, it will. Future looks bright. It does. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Hey, that's another one in the can. Another episode of Star Wars in all done. Mm -hmm. We talked about, I think, 
I think we had a fairly exhaustive, it was a conversation. It wasn't as deeply researched, but I, I liked the conversation we had about Darth Maul and how important and interesting he is as a facet of the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. He is a character that it is just so fun to watch different creators and different writers take him and turn him into these different things. And, you know, the Clone Wars, you can say it's weird how much you want that he brought him back, but that's a decision made by George Lucas, essentially, as far as I'm concerned. So with his daughter whispering his ear, just saying yeah, it's know. nepotism anyway. I know, but it's, that, to me, is enough of just, yeah, Maul's back. He's here. He's part of this universe. Like, he's part of this story. And I love the evolution and the transformations he's gone through. And I just want more. I'm just, when you're left wanting more this much, you know you have a good character. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that, like, I kind of want them to tell the story of him falling down that thing, wondering how he failed, and just welling up with so much rage and so much hate. He almost has, yeah. like, a force bubble that he's bouncing around down there. And when yeah. he falls into the garbage, it's just a automated droid garbage scout. That's why no one investigates it. And then I just see very much, like, um, like Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, on this junk uh, planet, him ripping his hand out of this junk and pulling half of his body up as he sustains himself with fury only. Yeah. And I, I just kind of want them to I want them to give me the Sith magic that allows him to do that. Just do it. Just rather than us. hand wave it. Like yeah. let's just own the fact that Maul is that furious. Yeah. And just make that goes him crazy because no one can contain that much hatred for that long. Yeah. I mean, we didn't see it, but it's safe to assume that's exactly what happens. The Force has to be involved because there's no other way to explain his survival. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like to think of it as basically he's falling down the pit. He gets towards the bottom and just... Oh, you know what? Force projects off of the floor and... I don't know. Two hanging facts about that. So one, let's also be honest. The reason Maul is back is because of Dark Horse Comics. Yeah. Because in Dark Horse Comics, they had the Tales series that are sort of what-if stories. And it's... Him coming to kill Obi-Wan on Tatooine, and the way that he does that is he has robot legs. Yeah, he does. He and pops out of the sand. It's very It's cool. such a powerful image. Yeah. It became the one Force Unleashed figure was kind of based on that, yeah. that pose. And, like, it it became this thing that everyone's like, that's so cool, but yeah. what if it really happened? And then Dave Filoni and team eventually decided, yeah, what 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 if it what if it did happen? If I mean, <laughs> if George and Katie want this in here, I mean gotta look cool <laughs> um and the other thing i just want to ask so what do you think his real name is do you think his first name is actually maul no because his last a, name should be a press right no, maul, i mean if they're brothers yeah no unless I think... and wait unless oppress is savage oppress's given name and savage is the family name so it's be. Savage Mall yeah. or it's Mall Oppress. Mall Oppress. It could be. Both are valid. I, I think you could make the argument about either. Um, I always assumed Mall was a title, but by the time he is no longer a Darth, oh. he is just so far removed from his, you know, Night Sister origins that he doesn't even know his real. Well, name. and he's built up from such a young age to that. Yeah. You're, you're right. The, generally, that's right. The Darth name has nothing to do with your actual name. Darth Sidious, Darth Tyrannus, these right. are separate names right. from your Darth actual... lets you know that you're a Sith. Yeah. And then you get your title by your master. Right. You know, Rise, Darth Vader. So, yeah. my thought is, essentially, 
I think it's 100% guaranteed Maul is a title, not his actual name. But I think he also may not know what his regular name is. Right. And so would have no reason to go back to calling himself that. He is Maul. Maul is a person who used to be a Sith, but is no longer a Sith. He is just Maul. So now I'm just thinking, if it's Savage Oppressed, it's probably something else silly. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know. Maul. Ravage Oppress. Sure, sure. You're savage and Ravage. Savage. <laughs> I like that. That's really funny. I just, I like, savage. it makes you ask yeah. questions that really we don't need answers to, but it's fun to think about. That's what Star Wars is. It's a bunch of interesting questions that sometimes have good answers, and sometimes <laughs> you have other answers. Um, but man, it's so much fun. I really enjoy these looser topics when we can have them. It I hope fun. the folks enjoyed it, and uh, I hope you'll be back with us because till next Wednesday, I'm Mac and I'm Ross. And may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.